The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I'm here with my co-host Brendan, and today we have Mark Jackson from the Metal Forge. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, man. Thank you all for having me. Of course. Um, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, what the Metal Forge is and all that? Yeah, sure. So in 2019, I put out, a, actually it was the very end of 2018, I should say, I had a local where radio station here in Louisville, Kentucky, who they have lost their uh, their metal DJ. So I totally just sent them an email and said, hey, I see that you have an opening for a metal show. I would love to do this. Uh, they they gave me an on-air interview to, to like, you know, like a job interview and to see <laughs> if I would work out. And ever since uh, January 3rd was the first official episode of the metal forge of 2019 and we've been rolling ever since that's awesome congratulations thank you thank you but we primarily focused on you know that first year because it was a it was a non-profit low power uh, fm radio station they had bylaws written in to where everybody that they played on the station had to be from kentucky oh okay and, and, and and just a very like just in the listener base in southern Indiana where they could read. And so I don't want to say that my hands were tied because I was able to learn a craft there and be able to do what I did. And once the the actual the station shut down at the end of twenty nineteen and I kind of sat around for like two weeks into 2020 and i said you know i really have to get this i've got a i've i've got a brand here and i want to keep something going on so i've converted it to a podcast and here we are today that's awesome and uh you were telling me that you primarily focus on underground stuff right very much uh there there have been uh, some higher profile guests but even with these higher profile people that have come on uh, Lips from Anvil, Tony Demolition Man Dolan from Venom Inc. have been on the show. They're still wow. primarily, I mean, everybody knows who Anvil is and everybody knows who Venom is, but mm-hmm. like, even in the idea of they're not a Metallica, they're not a Judas Priest, you know, right. they're not selling hundreds of millions of copies of albums in, in their career. Right. So, so I still view them as like underground. Yeah, it makes total sense. We actually had this conversation with a guest uh, really recently about perceptions within metal of who we consider to be a big name in the grand scheme of the music industry is not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's something within the scene. Even the bands you think of as man, those guys are legends. It's like if you talk to the average person on the street, they'll have no idea who they are. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's so interesting about quote. Uh, I'm doing the air quote thing here. Popular music because. Mm-hmm. You know, just because somebody knows of somebody, just because, you know, 500 million people know who Metallica are doesn't mean that, you know, the rest of the 7 billion people in the world don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So everything is relative, I think, is what that means. Definitely. 
hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, I, I think because this is the conversation that we had this in was from the perspective of people feel weird about approaching people in these big name metal bands because they think, "Wow, they're not going to have time for me. They're, they're this big celebrity." And I mean, these dudes, yes, they're a big name within the scene, but they're still down to earth people. They're not like some out of touch right. rock star god. Um, so yeah, I think people need to adjust their perception of of who these people are and be like, "You can approach these people. You can talk to these people about working with these people." So. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't know what your, your perspective is on that, but that's 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 our view of it, at least. Honestly, my perception of that is I would love to be able to approach somebody like, and, and don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll circle back to this in a second. Uh, I would love to be able to approach somebody like Rob Halford or mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Dickinson you know, Steve Harris, uh, necessarily a spokesperson for a major band like that. You know, right. Uh, you know, even if, you know, any member of Metallica, you know, I would love to have that, uh, mm-hmm. that availability, but everything now it's so interesting because like used to be able to get, get in touch with these people by fan clubs and, you know, they published management and things like that in their albums and, and mm-hmm. on their websites. A lot of that has went away to where, if you don't know who the management company is of a certain band, then you know it's it's hard to even get in contact with them. Now, right. what I do think is really cool is there are some people out there that you know those you know like I said, relative underground bands like the Venom Inc. and yeah. you know bands like that that have Facebook accounts and they're just total down to earth people, like you said, mm-hmm. who will reply to messages. You know, I got a message back from uh, Mark Oswego the other day from Death Angel. And I was like, wow, dude, thank you. And it was like almost instantaneous. And I was like, thank you so much for replying to me because, you know, it is actually a very hard get sometimes to even reach people. Right. Definitely. Yeah, we, we understand that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, because the, the person we were talking about specifically for this context, just so you understand, it was uh, Dan Swanner. Um, I mean, the man within the the death metal scene is like an absolute legend, but outside of that, no one knows who he is. And he, he's actually, because he does a lot of mixing and mastering, people think, oh, well, there's no way I can afford Dan Swano. He's he's a legend. But apparently he's super reasonably priced and happy to work with unknown bands. So, yeah, super cool of him. Definitely. I, I believe Cameron Webb is that way too. Uh, he produced quite a few of the the later era motorhead okay albums like the like the 2000 and past albums he produced i think at least three maybe four i'd have to i'd have to fact check it here but mm-hmm. yeah and, and apparently you know he's one of the one of the same ways where he's just like a a, a super approachable guy right and, and is reasonably reasonably priced and actually from what i've been what i've been told he actually like he he likes to get involved honestly because it's, awesome. it's it's a thing for music for him right i've heard that joel grind from toxic holocaust is like that too oh absolutely yeah i've heard that as well uh actually believe it or not here recently i had a band on the metal forge called belushi speedball and they okay. were a couple weeks back and if I'm not mistaken, Joel Grind had uh, actually done some mixing on. Yeah, it was actually mastered by Joel Grind, their latest album, which Sweet. is called. 
can't remember the name of the album. It's uh, they don't have it listed on the front either. Uh, <laughs> here <laughs> no, I'm no super prepared, but yeah, it was mastered by Joel Grimes. So that's yeah. kind of funny because we actually had a band on about a month ago that was mastered by Joel Grimes as well, um, which was Grave Ripper. Uh, if you know them. Yeah, absolutely. uh, I know Grave River. I love those guys. They're awesome. Yeah, we had Corey on. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I've had Corey on the Metal Forge. He is a he is a absolute sweetheart. He is fun to talk to. He is an interesting person. He he's a ridiculously great uh, multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, definitely. And he he was one of the most enjoyable guests we've had. Just a super easygoing, funny, cool dude. Yeah, man. Oh, definitely. I'm. Uh, I actually got to see one of their first shows back last year at. Uh, it's at a. It's at a club called Black Circle Brewing, or it was Black Circle Brewing at the time. I think it's called Black Circle now in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it was so rad. It was an outside show. There was like nine bands, so it awesome. was right in right in my market for all day festival like nine bands doesn't have to go crazy you don't have to have 47 bands over three days and i i just really appreciate you know stuff like that right that sounds like a great setup oh definitely was and we were actually referred to you um well you you actually referred to us to reach out by uh Howell of black knife oh absolutely yes uh love him he is such a great dude as well he you know, he is such a cool person because he he eats, sleeps, and breathes metal and the music scene. Mm-hmm. Whether it's whether it's the Lexington scene where they're at, or if it's Louisville where I am, or even if it's Pittsburgh, you know he he does everything he can to help build the like the underground independent metal community. Right. And I know he's super into the DIY side of it as well. It's like screen printing and all that old school type of stuff as well, which is awesome. Love to see oh, that. for sure. You know, that's yeah. one of my favorite. Uh, there's a film called American Hardcore. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I know. But there, yeah. Henry Rollins talks about the DIY side of things in that and where it, you know, they used to take like their parents, like ABBA records you know, the 12 inch record mm-hmm. and everything. And they would take the jackets apart and then draw it out on a piece of paper and take it to a Kinko's and have it copied. So they had like a template. So they knew how everything folded together and they just glued all their, their own stuff. Wow. And it's That's like awesome. super DIY. And it's like, I can see Hellwolf doing that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so, you mentioned earlier as well that you have your own band. What was, uh, tell us a little bit about your band. Uh, yeah. Overload is, you know, it's the thing that I've been in essentially the longest at this point. Uh, and I say the longest because we started in 2007 okay. and, you know, we did a few shows and then we, we changed a guitar player and had, you know, uh, like a year or so year and a half off. We played some shows with that guitar player and changed the guitar player. <laughs> You're going to notice a trend here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, we've, we've had uh, seven guitar players. Wow. 
and <laughs> and and three drummers. And I say three drummers because the current guitar player was a drummer for Overload, <laughs> okay. and the current and the current drummer was a guitar player for Overload. <laughs> so, but we we released our our first full length album in uh, 2011 in June, and one of our guitar players quit on the exact day of the release show, so we did not get to play. An album release because he he quit. Uh, right. The fo- the following three years, we released an album each year. Uh, so, which is the first album was called Overload by Overload. Uh, okay. Second was Blood for Blood. Third was Pantheon. Fourth is Only the Strong Survive. And then in 2015, we recorded the Unvanquished EP. And from that point. Uh, the the second drummer of Overload, which is now again the current drummer, he had a foot issue, and we had to take a year off because he had broken his foot and just oh. getting back into the swing of things. And in that amount of time, we had replaced him, and he had went to play guitar for the band. Okay. And, uh, um, and by the way, his name is Mike Taylor. Uh, so shout outs to Mike. Uh, I love him. I've known him a long time. Such a rad dude, and he is actually. Uh, Recorded, mixed, and mastered all of all of the releases from Overload. Okay, sweet, awesome. Uh, and then in 2019, we released our sixth release, which was uh, an EP called "Tales from Twin Earth." And in the, here, within the next few months, we are getting back together. To I say, getting back together to to write and record a new EP that's supposed to be out in early 2023 fantastic yeah looking forward to that i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely check check you guys out straight after this uh looking forward to hearing it yeah definitely and i'll go ahead and give everybody uh uh the link it's officialoverload.com or you can go to officialoverload.bandcamp.com you can find anything on there we have released a few uh cover singles that you know they're free with, I believe you know there's like some merch on there that they might be free with a purchase, but I, I don't believe they they're for sale on the site because you know cover songs are kind of weird that way. We did do sure. a cover of Ace of Spades by Motorhead because we are a power trio, so it all works out. And a cover of Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Awesome, love it. Definitely, so- it's it, it, it's fun because like the the evolution of the band. I have people telling me now more than ever, anytime we, we play is like, man, this is the greatest I've ever seen you guys. And that, that feels good. I mean, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. So every musician wants to hear, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, <laughs> there was a music, there was a singer that we had that uh, not overload, but in a previous band I was in, that was funny because, uh, <laughs> I, I broke the bad news and that no one liked him <laughs> on accident because nobody had ever told him. And it was just like, like, man, what were people saying after the show? I was like, well, it's the same thing they always say. Well, what's that? Great music, but the vocals suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no one, no one in the band had ever told him that. And he didn't last much longer after that, unfortunately. 
Uh, <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know. <laughs> fortunately for him. Uh, fortunately for you, not fortunately for him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh. I mean, it's it is what it is. It's tough in those situations, but you have if, if you you as a band want to progress, you have to make those sort of decisions. I mean, there's been a right. bunch of bands that were fantastic. Like, if you look at okay, I'm not going to say this because this shouldn't say this. If you look at Iron Maiden, because some people will disagree with this, but Iron Maiden when they changed to Bruce Dickinson, that's when they really opened up their career. And yes, there is a charm to the original albums, um, but I don't think they ever could have gone as far without Bruce Dickinson as they have. That's respectable. And I, uh, that is a, that is a very valid opinion. And I, I mostly agree with that because there are some gems and there is something yes. in those first two albums, piano. And I will also say this too. There are good things about the blaze Bailey years as well. Yes. They're Agreed. no, they're nowhere near hit oriented as, you know, with, with Bruce. Right. But, I also think Bruce is captivating. Not saying that those that Paul Diano isn't or or Blaze Bailey isn't. However, right. you know Bruce is the show. Right. You know, you know, you see him running around on stage. You know, every they're firing on all cylinders. That band when definitely with Bruce. Definitely. And, and what I, when I said that before, success-wise, I don't mean like artistic success. I just mean commercial popularity style success because I think that he's the one that brought that, like you said, the energy to it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, uh, what, what, what he sang for Samson before that, is that correct? And, you know, I don't think necessarily Samson would have done much of anything, after, you know, if he would have stayed either. Right. Yeah. People will find their groove, you know? It's like, um, yeah, everyone sort of has their place that they're meant to be, and they may be really good in a role, but they're not where they're meant to be shining until they right. find that slot. Or, like, or if someone happens to, like, die, you know, in the band, and then they want to, like, progress, you know, and they got to, like, give it some time and, like, replace somebody, you know, like, that way. That's always tough. Like, it's like right. with, with uh, Black Dahlia Murder, how they've decided to move forward, I actually thought was a pretty tasteful decision. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. That's a big, cool <laughs> um, local band here, Afghan Hayes, lost their drummer, and they uh, just announced today they got a new one. That's which right. is cool. They, yeah. They found someone. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, when it comes to members, and not just in, like, you know, like death or anything like that, uh, or just having to nothing like to the extreme of like having to quit due to like health issues, stuff like that. Like right. uh, Clive, like Clive Burr had to do and John Rutsey had to do, you know, for like rush and maiden respectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, to me, I, I got a copy when I was, uh, 24 years old, which is about the same time I started overload. Mm-hmm. And the idea of this became a, Deal where I wanted to do a Motorhead tribute band where you played about 40 minutes and, you know, we would call it the road crew. Nice. Okay. You know, after the song, of course. And so I was talking with, with the first, then first drummer of overload and we had talked about it and we just never brought it to fruition that way. 
and said to me, he's like, you know, I've been jamming with this guy, Chuck, why don't you come down? And, and I already had another guitar player in mind also. And he goes, why don't you come down, jam with us and see what you want to do? You know, if you want to come in and do vocals and bass, that'd be awesome. So I came down, I was liking it. That's exactly what we did. And so with all of the member changes, the point of this is I picked up a copy of Another Perfect Day and it was a it was a re-release issue of it. And it was uh, there was a note in there where Lemmy was talking about where Fast Eddie Clark had left uh, after Iron Fist. And it was, he was 38 years old when that happened. And he was, he was to the point where he was ready to just call it quits and start over. And then he realized I'm 38 years old. I'm too old to start over. We need, we're just going to replace it. And at that point in time, you know, me being 24, I serious, I, I adopted that mentality and I said, you know, I'm too old to start over with this. This is, you know, it, this is going to be something I'm going to be invested in. And this is going to be something that I'm going to do until I can't do any longer, whether if it's, you know, writing stuff by myself or, you know, I have a multitude of guitar players that come through a multitude of drummers that come through whatever. And I'm glad for the, and I'm extremely happy and glad for the current lineup of overload. But yeah, right. too old to start over. I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting perspective because I agree and disagree with that. We've had, I mean, we've had some people on the show who, um, you know, some of them only started their music career in their forties, and yeah, maybe maybe they may not make it potentially as big because they've started so late. It takes time to build that, but I, I don't think it's ever too late to start something completely new. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know. They were like, you know what? Let's just do it. Why not? You know what I mean? Right. I I could see that. I mean, for and and I applaud people who can actually just do that. But for me, it's like I'm, I'm just that guy. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I completely understand where you're coming from as well because I'd probably be the same way. <laughs> um, but there are some people that just push past it. I guess. Definitely. Definitely. So I wanted to ask you, because you've been obviously in the scene for so long and listening to music for so long, what started your journey into heavy and alternative music? Wow. I don't get that question often, but I have told this story. Like, not not on any public forum like this, but okay. somebody else, you know, a few years ago asked me that. Uh, my mom always wanted to have, she wanted to play guitar. She, she used to sing when she was in like high school and stuff like that for church choir and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Right. And so when I was about 10 to 12 years old, somewhere in that time period, she bought a guitar, just, you know, an old beat up acoustic guitar from a, from a person she worked with and he was going to give her lessons. Right. Well, it, never really took or anything like that. So we just had this guitar sitting around the house. And I vividly remember going to a show with a friend. It was the sibling. Let me think how to word this. 
It was my sister's best friend's brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's almost like to the Spaceballs thing there. It's like your brother, sister's cousin's uncle's roommate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when he had started singing for a band and he was two years older than me. He was like 14 at the time. And, you know, he had to have a ride there and everything. And I don't know how he met the guys that he had met to play music because they lived like, like 40 miles apart. But I ended up going to a few shows. And from that point on, that's when I realized it's like, wow, this is really something cool. And, and then that following, uh, that following like November, all of the guys that like the crew, you know, the, the, the people you grow up with from like elementary school on, right. We all mm-hmm. got together at lunch. We were like, what are you, what are you guys asking for for Christmas? And somebody said, I'm asking my parents for a guitar. And I was like, wow, you can do that. <laughs> and that's when we realized like, you know, we're going to put it. It's like, let's put together a band. Let's everybody, hey, everybody ask your, you know, your parents for an instrument or something so we can all, you know, start a band. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's what we did. It's like, well, what do you want to play? We went to the first person. He's like, I want to play guitar. It's like, what, what do you want to play? It's like, well, I want to play guitar. Third person gets in there. What do you want to play? I want to play guitar. It's like, <laughs> it's like holy crap, man. It's like, three guitar players right there. We're Leonard Skinner. No, uh, they, the next guy sitting at the table was me. I got asked, it's like, what do you want to play? It's like, I'm going to play bass. Because at that point in time, I knew the difference because of bass and guitar. And uh, there was a actual awareness of it because of mm-hmm. seeing shows from like being like 11 and 12 years old. Right. Yeah. And at that, and that point it's all pretty much all history because you know, at that point when I actually started learning how to play an instrument, I've, I stopped playing in a band since 1995. I have only not played in a band setting of some type for nine months. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. So like there's always been, and that's because I, I I quit a band and was just like burnt. And that was, and actually that was in 2006. (laughs) Okay. So it's been a while. (laughs) So that's what inspired you to play music. So who would you say music wise is your biggest influence as far as, I mean, it doesn't have to be one person, but like a couple of people. I was going to say influence you. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Well, oh, sorry, what was that? Who was your favorite bassist? Well, that's interesting because I can't just choose one. Uh, you can do, I, you can do I, top, I, top I five if much. you want. Exactly. This is, uh, you know, High Fidelity's top five bassist, according to Mark. <laughs> uh, I would like to say these are in no particular order, but but they kind of are. Uh, Dusty Hill is, yeah. is number five, I would say. Dusty has an amazing groove, a, you know, just that that pinch that he's in the pocket. He's yeah, right man. where he needs to be. We, you know, rest in power, Dusty. Yes, uh, sir. Getty Lee, 
would be, and and I would say in at number four. Like I said, this is a hard list to actually rank, so I'm just going to give you the the people. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so yeah, Getty Lee, obviously, because like he is a machine. You know, just as much as every member of Rush is a machine, Getty is no different. He, mm-hmm. you know, playing with playing the synth with his feet playing bass with his feet, depending on the song, et cetera. You know, it's insane. Uh, Number three, Chris Squire, for the same reasons, because he is there, he is doing what he's doing. And I play like, I don't play like either Getty or Chris Squire. But I respect what they do and just the sheer, like, craziness that they can just sit there and throw down like Mm -hmm. they do. Uh, number two would be Jason Newstead. Okay. And I would say Jason because when I really got into Metallica, I heard Justice first. But it was it was like this new sound. It was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And it was it was insane, right? But my sister got a copy of the Black Album. And you know, just in repetitive listening to that, you know, it's how it kind of, it, it took over everything. So, like, going in and re-watching and learning how Jason plays his instrument, where he's just got this really heavy uh, right hand when he plays. Mm-hmm. You know, that That, to me, speaks to how I play as well. And obviously, for anyone who knows me personally, and anybody you know who just has been listening to this episode, I've mentioned him a couple of times already. Number one would be Lemmy, <laughs> because you know he's a complete badass for one. Was a complete badass for one, you know, and just like his, just his writing ability. You know, just not only just his bass playing, because that that swing that he has in in his picking hand and uh-huh. he just he plays it like it's, you know, he plays it as a rhythm instrument. And whether yeah. it's, you know, whether it's playing it like a rhythm instrument like Getty or Chris Wire, it still has he still does some of those same things in there. It's right. just with distortion and a pick. And and I'm not even going to get into his uh, his just lyric uh, his lyric writing ability, right? Because that's on a whole other world, definitely. And okay, so what what are your thoughts on bands that you know is more of these these days that don't have a guitarist and are led by a bass player and a drummer? Um, do you think that I mean are you a fan of that type of style or I'm actually not too familiar with really any bands that do that okay. it's, it's quite frankly it's, yeah it's quite frankly for me what I've noticed here the it's the other way around especially like with um, some of the bands here you know like in Indiana is Throne of Iron has no bass player and they they have two guitar players and a drummer and a vocalist. Well, Tucker's a vocalist as well, but it's just, you know, that's interesting to me that people who wouldn't even have a bass player. 
Right. I've, I've seen that as well. And it does confuse me. Um, I don't know why you'd want to give up such a crucial part of your sound. It's, it adds a whole depth to the music and a groove. It does. But I, but I think a lot of them are actually switching it over to, you know, just as a track. Right. You know, which right. It, that sucks, but you know, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and not say that there's not some extra bass parts in tracks in overload music that we've done. You know, right. I've recorded several. I've recorded several different bass lines that get mixed into one into the into the master mix on a couple of different things. So I get it. Doesn't make it right, but I get it. <laughs> Right. I'll, you know, after this, I can send you a couple of bands because we've we've stumbled through quite a few um, with our site uh, who are two like duos who are just bass player and drums. Yeah, um, please do. Yeah, and then they just basically yeah. they basically play the uh, the bass as a guitar. <laughs> it's nice. Really yeah, super distorted, very down tuned. It's that's uh, thick. I, I imagine it is. See, that's that's also really interesting too. If it, you know, being down tuned past like a certain note is like, does it does it get too clunky, like fieldy from corn? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or he's like slapping a banjo, maybe. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's I don't even, no, I don't even think it's that. It's like it's like the clothesline outside. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's so distinct. It's so distinctive, though. It's like it's uniquely them. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure. And just like with the guitars in that band, it's mm-hmm. uniquely them. Yeah, you know, that definitely. That band wouldn't work with anybody else, and I think it's proven that it didn't work with anybody else when Head left. Right. Because I think that during that time period, they really didn't have much going on. Right. I, I'm a huge corn fan. Like I, I, people give me shit for it sometimes. It's like, oh, new metal, but I genuinely think that they're a consistently interesting band. Like they, they, they mix it up constantly. They never stick to one sound or style. I think they experiment a lot, and I, pre- I, you know, I applaud them for it. Well, I mean, I, I'm not dogging on them or nothing by any stretch of the word. Um, I've seen them live more than twice. I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got to it. see them live with. Uh, they opened with. Um, it was Corn, Kid Rock, System of a Down, and Metallica. Oh, that was the uh, Summer Sanitarium. It was like, oh man, it was a while back. I, yeah, I'd say that was, like, back, that was back in the like two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand and one. Yep, yeah, that was Summer Sanitarium. Was when that was uh, because the show here that was supposed to be in Kentucky, uh, James was not able to make. Because he he uh, he was jet skiing or something and got hurt and uh-huh. he was in the hospital in traction. So they they still had the show and like Lars, uh, Jason, and Kirk did like Metalla karaoke <laughs> <laughs> and and like like Kid Rock came out and sang with them. Uh, I believe Jonathan Davis came out and sang with them. That's you know, cool. Surge uh, came out and sang with. Yeah, so like they were all taking turns singing Metallica songs with with uh, <laughs> with them. So I, the, I think that's an interesting thing. And then they uh, they rescheduled that because they sold like eighty thousand tickets to that show. 
Wow. And and they sold, yeah. And they they came back to an actual. It was an outside deal, of course. And they yeah. sold. So the the way it worked out is they had like they booked a a, a basketball arena in Lexington, Kentucky, that. Pretty much, they were there for two nights, and they didn't even get half of the actual audience because of the seats. Oh, okay. So it's like you had to really get your tickets redeemed. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's always a weird one. Do you know if there's any videos of that? I'd actually like to see the uh, like the, the different vocalists taking turns. That'd be kind of cool. You know what? I think there actually is, but it, of course, it's all shot on the camcorder because. Oh, okay. it's, yeah, the there's time. no yeah, there's no cell phone video of that. Oh yeah, right. I didn't have a cell phone. I just got my like, oh man. That was fun though back then. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I miss from going to shows is not seeing cell phones up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. I'm guilty sometimes of uh filming a show. I'll film like a song. Holy hell, I found it. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, it's uh, if you type in on YouTube uh, Metallica Sparta 2000. Okay, uh, it'll actually show up, and it's the first one. It's actually the full show. It says it's an hour oh, there we forty nine minutes. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> um, I'm gonna check that uh, out. After creeping, this. <laughs> creeping death. Jason on vocals. Uh, yeah, it actually gives the whole the whole rundown of like who does what. That's awesome. That's very cool. I'm gonna watch that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I was. Uh, oh man, I was just like high school when that was going. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I that didn't go fun. to that. I didn't go to that show. But we just, I just got to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. We probably oh, went. That's where I'm. I think it was the old Pat Stadium, New England Patriots Stadium. Right, right. Is that that's where you saw it at? Yeah, I think that's where it was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it you was know, big. That, that's so interesting that like people have. This is camcorder video from like night from two thousand, and it's somebody's uploaded it onto YouTube. And that's so crazy to me. It's like, what? That's awesome, man. That's a piece uh, of history. Oh, for Prop- sure it is. Props to that person. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, uh, Melonica. Melonica Channel. Um, they're one of the uh, chapters for the uh, the fifth member chapters, you know, for like the fan club stuff. Where you right, okay. Them. Yeah, that's who they are. And I believe they're out of Milan. Is where where they're based out of they have a lot of uploads i've noticed they have weird must be somebody within the camp honestly is what i'm thinking here because they upload a lot of really weird rare video stuff oh, like okay. they've even they've even uploaded like demo tracks from like saint anger and stuff like that that's like can't get it anywhere else that's pretty cool oh yeah it's wild stuff i mean one of these days, I hope to have something like that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, there's like hardly any overload demo tracks. <laughs> a friend of mine just went to Europe and they came back and brought me this shirt. They're like, "Oh, I was at this vintage clothing store and I found this." 
I don't know if you like know this album or something. And it's a shirt, Metallica shirt of their very first demo. And like, I can't find a date on it. So I can't see how old it is or like when it's from or anything, but I have that now. And I'm, I'm just curious if it's like, you know, if it's rare or something, or I have no idea. <laughs> like the, uh, the power metal demo. It's uh, let me get the, oh, uh, the name. Oh yeah, I was looking up uh, that tour dates. So yeah, I was at the Foxborough Stadium one, and then the Sparta one you were talking about was like literally like a few days later, like a week later. Yeah, it's, the- uh, it's crazy though that like that man has went through so much crap. Like getting like I don't know, just I know he broke his ankles twice or he broke his one ankle twice on right before they were supposed to go on tour for master. So yeah. when they, when justice was coming out, they had to re-sign and renegotiate their contract and Q prime made them put a, a clause in the contract where he's not allowed to go skateboarding or, or anything six weeks prior uh, to a tour. So he can't break anything. <laughs> Interesting. Right. Uh, it like, was the no line tight, buddy. Just hang out, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what would really be funny is if he if it's still in the contract today. <laughs> I would like. Oh, that's the one with his wife. Like, don't fuck yourself up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would like to see sixty-year-old James skateboarding. <laughs> um, Have there a Tony Hawk hangout? <laughs> right. <laughs> the shirt is No Life to Leather demo. Oh yeah, absolutely. So oh, so it's got like the, the white logo where it's like it's the black logo that's surrounded like all in white. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome. And it, and it's real? I don't know. That's the thing. I can't I can't tell. It's like it Because it's, if you look at the video of uh, the Metro Theater with Metallica back mm-hmm. in it's it's in eighty three. Uh-huh. Uh there that's I think one of them is wearing the shirt that you're talking okay. about. So they were available then. But I okay. don't think they I did they ever re release it though. Uh that's the thing to see, you know. Right. I need, I need to look into it because I mean, like, it, I don't, I don't, it's probably not authentic, but it's, it's older for sure. Like, it's a vintage bootleg. shirt. So I don't know. It's a, probably an older bootleg. But I've never seen one of those shirts around. Like, I've never seen that. Oh, no. Kind, yeah. You, that never, demo shirt. you never see them. Okay. So, like, let's see. Here. So, like, the original one just has, like, the black text with the, uh, with the white background on it, like it's been right, cut okay. out. And, uh, but that's, that's really all that I'm seeing. Now the re there is a re-release where okay. it's got a cassette tape on there. Oh, that's the one. That's the one I have. Is that, so that's a re-release. Yes. When was that released? Does it say, you, you know what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Actually, no. That's not a re-release. Here's one dated back dated back on eBay to 1982. Oh damn. Okay. So maybe yeah, that may actually be. Now, okay, so the re-release does not have the tape on it. 
it okay, actually so just I, ha- it has the same logo and it says no life to leather right under it. The one I have has the tape. Oh, cool. There you see, go. that's rad, you know. You know, Steve, that's one of the good things about the uh the internet these days. It's yeah. there's a plus there for sure. Which Definitely. I actually have two I have two copies of the re-release tape that they did in like 2013. Okay. Which is really cool. Because it's cool. not it's not remastered, it's not anything, it's how it actually was on the actual tape. Very cool. It's straight up like one side, you know, just there it is. Now there was an actual demo before it was before that too. Okay. Uh, were they called Metallica still for that demo, or was it, did they go by a different name? Yes, they were. Uh, you know what? Uh, let me let me let me check that really fast because it's called uh, called Power Metal is okay. what it is, and it looks like they took like a uh, like a Boris Vallejo art piece from it, and it was it's a three song demo. Let's see. It says Power Metal is the name given to a demo recorded in sometime of April of '82. Uh, it, although it's never been officially released, it was uh, given the bootleg name Power Metal uh, after the tagline Ron McGovney printed on Metallica's first business cards. Okay. I'm seeing yeah. two different album covers. There's like a dragon, and then there's one with like, a, I guess, a like guy a monster. A snake. Yeah, the, a guy in the snake. Yep. That's the one that I've always seen. Okay. I didn't know about this. I have to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the it's the same version of Hit the Lights that is on the Metal Massacre. Okay. So it's so it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's also three person Metallica. So it's right, Lars, okay. Lars, Ron, and uh James. Okay. Interesting. This is what I'm I'm thinking that's who's on there. Interesting. Interesting stuff all around you. Oh, actually, Davis, it does say Davis on there. Okay. Cool. Because it actually has the mechanics. What are your uh, thoughts on the new uh, Metallica? I mean, I don't think that album, actually. On that side. I am a bad uh, listener. Uh, I okay. have not listened. I've only listened to the the one song that they put out. A like single. Here, a co- yeah, a single like a couple months ago. I am a completionist, so I will buy it. And uh, on the Metal Forge, we have uh, two sets of album reviewers. We've okay. got uh, Athena, who does Metal Mischief, and that's her segment. And we have Jason Gardner, who does uh, the heavy metal wasteland. Last okay. week's episode uh, contained a heavy metal wasteland about Mega Dave. Okay. And, <laughs> and love that, <laughs> right? And he's talking about it. He's, you know, I'm just I'm so spent on political metal, right? And. I mean, let's face it, that has been Dave's entire career. Like, there's some things, yeah, there's some things that aren't, you know, political about it. You know, the Tulamon is not, but like, you know, you know, 
cryptic writings. You know, there's, there's all kinds of different things that aren't, but in the grand scheme of things, he is very much a politically driven, you know, that's what he, you know, from, from peace cells, you know, on, it's right. always, it's, you know, hangar 18, it's always a, you know, there's a political underlying, you know, bitch fest going on there. And I get it. And that it has its place, but I just kind of get tired of it. It's like, you know, I know that, that stuff sucks. I don't need to be reminded in the stuff that's supposed to make me feel better that stuff sucks. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he used to just be in the music, but it's really bled more into him as a person now as well. The last few years, like maybe the last I don't know, decade, he's really. Oh, I have some strong opinions on it, so I definitely know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I honestly think he has a holier-than-thou attitude. Oh, I understand yeah. he has went through so much in his life. Uh, I, you know, I get that. We all go mm-hmm. through a lot of things in our life, you know, but like, you know, we're all just people. Right. There's definitely and, a few a few people in this in the industry who you uh, are not to like trash anyone. I'm not going to say any names, but there's definitely those people who uh, have that attitude in the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again, it's like that holier than thou attitude, and it's like you know, I don't get that. You know, it's one thing that being an independent musician, you know, and being in a band that only here recently, you know, within the last like six or so years, seven years has started to garner some bit of, you know, popularity, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being around for 15 years now and, you know, saying that, you know, after only the last six have you, you know, the, the following really started kicking in with it. You know, it's nine years of being like, what the hell are you doing? And right. like, you know, but I mean, still, it's perseverance, but like, I just don't get it. It's like, you know, I don't know if I've just went through this crazy thing over the last few years where it's like, you know, I've really started to be more humble about things. And it's like, and less of a dick, because I've been a dick, you know, and being a dick don't always work. Not always. But, you know, I just can't, you know, just... That's why I ask on the Metal Forge, you know, I do break into, you know, I keep half of an interview scheduled for just, you know, the the, the dirt, the nitty gritty, you know, what gets, what is your project? What is your band? What do you do? How do you do it? What's coming up next? How are you going to, you know, how are you revolutionizing your band? You know, right. your part, your little corner of, independent metal or punk or because i do the same thing and we brush up with a lot of different things it's not just all metal we do punk we do you know we do metal we do uh, all kinds of things i'm always the one to think that heaviness doesn't always have to be distorted guitars and screaming vocals right you know uh you know waylon jennings could sing about something heavy and so, whereas that is, you know, keeping everything on a somewhat lighthearted aspect as well, with that first half being that part of the show, second half, I just do break out into general questions with people 
because we are all people. We are all going through the same struggles. You know, we all, you know, we all don't know, you know, sometimes where our next meal is coming from, you know, if, you know, we're going to have some life changing event tomorrow. Right. So, you know, knowing, you know, knowing the silly stuff, like, you know, what's your favorite food or, you know, what do you do to blow off steam or, you know, anything like that? What do you collect? You know, that stuff is, it's important to me. And it, right. because it's a humanity issue, I guess. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because we we actually have the same format. Brendan actually ends out the show with those exact type of questions. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's same way. yeah, it's funny. So actually, Brendan, do you wanna do you wanna actually kick into that side of the, the show then? We could do that. Um, yeah, yeah. On, that, on that note. Um do you have a favorite podcast? Oh, <laughs> other than this one, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it just depends. Honestly, it depends on the, the, the mood I'm in at the moment, because most there's, I really listen to a few, like very few actual podcasts anymore. I'm a wrestling fan. Okay. I will listen to, I will, I will make the rounds listening to a few different wrestling podcasts like, uh, uh, Jim Cornette's drive through or something to wrestle with Bruce, uh, Bruce Pritchard. You know, I will listen to those. Uh, actually a friend of mine has just recently started podcasting. So I've been trying to catch more episodes of his, it's uh, called "If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything," and it's about the paranormal. And he's a he's a distiller, and he talks about you know the paranormal stuff in that as well. Like people who have come on who are who have like their own distilling uh, practice and everything, and they just have like some weird stuff going on. So that cool. stuff's really cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> But I do enjoy like the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast as well for the band Night Demon. Uh, that's I think that's really well done because it's you know it's they get some really cool people on there. Okay. Right on. Um, have you had any like uh, like big fanboy moments? Hmm. I kind of actually did this past weekend, honestly, with, uh, uh, I got to seeing a tour in my city and it was really cool because like it was, uh, entranced seven sisters and haunt. If you're familiar with any of those bands, I know haunt they're from, yeah. Haunt, haunt plays around here a lot in San Diego. Yeah, because he's because uh, uh, he's from Fresno, Trevor. Is. Right. Yeah. But, uh, super cool dude, and I finally, you know, I had him on my show back in uh, 2020. Right. And Beast from maker. that, point, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beastmaker for sure. Yes, and I was just talking about them today. Great band. He, well, it's interesting. He he told a little anecdote uh, on stage. Um, over the weekend and i say over the weekend because i watched them on saturday in louisville 
And I already had plans to go to Indianapolis, which is two hours north, to watch the show the next day. <clears throat> so I got to see uh, all three of the bands that I've you know been talking to for a few years on like Messenger and through text and stuff like that, and I've never met them in person. And I finally got to meet all of these people in person, and it's like you know, it's like we've known each other our whole lives at this point because we you know we just talked and. You know, yeah, yeah, BS yeah. and whatever. So yeah, I kind of had a little bit of a fanboy moment when when Trevor started playing, or I said when when they started when Haunt started the song "Luminous Eyes," and the little anecdote he told about Beastmaker was about writing "Luminous Eyes" for Haunt, and that was the song that caused them to break up. Oh, so that's that's it's always interesting, you know what. What's going to happen next? Wait, you said Beastmaker broke up? Yes. I didn't know that. I thought, didn't they just release an album in March? I believe he, they did, but they're not, they don't tour, they don't oh. do any, anything like that. That was a compilation album. I didn't realize that. Okay. And that's a shame. Yeah. I, love, I love that band. I, I didn't but realize I that. But I will give him a, a massive shout out because in, since, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Excuse me for just a second. No worries. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm going to get to uh, meet uh, Tommy Stewart and uh, Patrick from. Uh, Patrick from see? Grave Next Door and um, yeah, Tommy Stewart from Direwolf, Black Doomer Records. Nice. And he was in uh, he was in Grim, Grim Reaper as well. If you, if you know them from like the the old thrash band from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I thought was it. I thought it was Hello, not Halloween. Uh, Hollow's Eve. Oh, it was, was it Hollow's Eve? It must be. It must be Hollow Eve. Uh, yes, Hollow's Eve. That's right. But yeah, yeah. Confused. And then yes, um, we're gonna get to see. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get to see next, the week after that. Uh, Minerva, a band on his label. So uh, it's pretty cool to do that. All right. So the first Beast Maker. Well, that says January of 2018. That's not right. The they're on here kind of weird. Okay. So from August 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beastmakers. Uh, yeah. So August 2015, You Must Sin was released by Beastmaker. Okay. Okay. On the Bandcamp platform. So what's interesting is, is like from that point on, there have been 31 releases <laughs> that <That's> prolific <laughs> that Trevor Church has released <laughs> between the uh, let's see, 18 from, or 19 from Beastmaker. And, and and actually, it's even more than that because some of these are doubled up, like 7 and 8, he's uh, 9 and 10. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, he's had like a crazy amount with, and, and like Holland alone has had like, has had like 13 or 14 releases. Right. Since like, since like 2015. So it's like insane. It's like, wow. It's like, I wish I could write in as much content as that. 
<laughs> That's crazy. I was actually actually had tickets to see Haunt when they last played in San Diego, but I uh, had to leave the country to see family back home, so I missed it unfortunately. Oh, wow. But and then I was also meant to see that same trip. I missed seeing um, Tony Hawk's Sons Band uh, Warring. Okay, do you, do you yeah. know them at all? I don't actually. They're a lot of fun. It's like uh, stoner surf punk stuff. Um, nice. Yeah, it's, if you like fun, like you said, you like a lot of fun music. Yeah, check it out. It's a good time. Oh, definitely. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, so I was meant to see them originally, and the whole band got COVID. Oh. <laughs> they, they rescheduled the day of. They got they tested positive, and then they rescheduled, and then it happened to reschedule it while I was out of the country. So missed this twice. <laughs> That's terrible. That's absolutely yeah. terrible. Yep. <laughs> it happens. There's always those bands that you always just like barely miss somehow. Right. That's happened to me so much, I feel like. I'm like, all right, I need to go do this and that. And then it's like some, you know, obligation is ahead of it. And I'm like, no, if this is right. just a day later, it, please, you know. There was, something <laughs> yeah. that, there was something like that that happened with me where, like, they something got canceled and it got rescheduled for, like, a Wednesday. And I was like, what? Like. Who wants to go to this on a Wednesday? I know that exact feeling. I mean, I go, I go to Wednesday gigs because I just don't want to miss the band, but it sucks because you have like work the next day and you're like, well, I have to stay sober and go to work yeah. the next morning. It's like you, you can't fully relax and enjoy it compared to like a Friday or a Saturday night or something. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what happened when I saw Primitive. I saw Primitive Man and, uh, that was on like a Wednesday. That was like the, the cheapest gig I've ever seen. It was like $11 for Primitive Man, Body Void, and Jarhead Fertilizer. I was like, that's insanely. Like, I'm, not, I'm not, there's that's no way I'm not. Bill, man. Yeah. And it's just like, there's no way I'm not going to that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like a steal. Yeah. It, it's like stupid not to go to that. <laughs> Definitely. The band for me, though, that I have always missed every single time something's always come up or they've cancelled or something is Morbid Angel. I, I've just uh, never, never managed to see them. That's funny. They, they've been being brought up in my life a lot here in the last few days. <laughs> okay. Well, we were, uh, me and a few friends were talking about them, and then uh, I was speaking with Athena about them as well, the uh, Metal Mischief host. And it's just interesting because, like, you know, them being a, a uh, an alphabetical release band is yeah. always interesting to me. Yeah, it's it is it's almost this, it's almost the gimmick like Anvil has with you know metal on metal, strength of steel, pound for pound, worth the weight. You know the yep. the alliterative album titles. Yeah. So, like, you know, doing all the of the domination gateways right you know it's like wow it's like imagine like being that person and having to like okay well this one started with a this was going to be yeah it's like but it makes it either genius or insane i'll say from a fan's perspective it makes it really easy to know which order they came out in because you're like oh well obviously this one came out after that because this is f and that's a right yeah and didn't they break that in like 2000 or something they put out some weird titled album 
Yeah, there was. Uh, there's like a obscure one that no one talks about. Where is it? It's, <laughs> um, no one talks about it because everyone that I've ever heard talk about it say it sucks. <laughs> oh, are you, are you talking like about? Digital. Are you talking about Illivid, uh, Illid Divim, Divium Insanus, the one that everyone makes fun of that became like a living meme? Yes. Yeah, that was 2011, and that one, like, <laughs> I really have no idea what what they were thinking with that one. It was like Marilyn Manson meets like uh, Morbid Angel. It was very strange, and it, the song titles were just like insanely cheesy. There's one, what's it called? Too extreme, and then the song's just about how the band is too extreme for you to handle. I was like, oh, oh gosh, gosh. <laughs> that's like total. That would that would be something that like. Motley Crue would do. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dream for you to handle. And then they have one, another one called I Am Morbid, about how morbid the band is too. Same album as too extreme. And then the the funniest one was Destructo versus the Earth. Which yeah, is just I like that. Yeah. <laughs> slash attack. <laughs> so it's like a part one. Yep. Versus the Earth slash attack. Yeah, the, so the, the only time they really broke the alphabetical thing was 91 when they did Abominations of Desolation after Blessed Are the Sick. But the, uh, is that like a compilation, though? I think it was like a live album or something like that. I, can't, I can never remember what this one was about. Oh, no, no. Oh, Abominations of Desolation the demo album. Okay, so they re-released, okay, they re-released yeah. the demos, but that technically yes. broke the release order. And, and then they did... Two live albums, Entangled in Chaos and, and uh, Juvenile, Juvenilia. Yeah, yeah, and because the, they went from I to K, but the, I guess you count right. one of those, the, you can count the Juvenilia live album in between for the J. So. Right, because it was in 2015. Yeah. Yep. And the E, uh, Entangled in Chaos, yep. did come live out album. in 96 between uh, Dominations and Formulas Fatal to the Flesh. Yep. For me personally, Gateways to Annihilation is my favorite album of theirs, which is super, I mean, that's a super contested opinion because some people love the direction they went in with their changed vocalists, that album. And then some people are like a diehard, like, no, early Morbid Angels, the only Morbid Angels. So. Well, it's funny because, you know, there's so many people that talk so much crap about it, but there's only, it, the sales are only saying that they just, they did like 7,500 copies of for gateways to annihilation. Oh, no, no, Ilya no. Divinum Insanus. Yeah, yeah. Ilya Divinum Insanus. Yeah, that's so, so many people talk about it. It's like being this horrible album, but they only sold seventy five hundred copies. <laughs> I own a copy of that because I pre ordered it, and yeah, I own a copy of that. <laughs> like a special edition one too. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I yeah. I, I ordered it and then got there because I only heard the one single. There were like one or two good singles on it that were like pretty fun, but and then I got it and I put it on. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? This is not Morbid Angel. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, they do have some really cool album covers. They like, do. I remember the, I remember getting, uh, uh, Domination on a cassette tape from a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the cassette tape artwork. It looked so terrible because with it being full full uh, J card, right? Right. And so it so like the pentagram on the cover is it's like an oval pentagram. Oh, really? <laughs> but but like if you remember like the way Doom looks, 
like yeah. the, the video game Doom. Yeah. That's, that's how like the cassette version of that looked. It was like so pixelated and, and garbage. <laughs> it looked like the <laughs> it looked like the crappy uh, maze screensaver that Windows ninety five used to have. I got the um, the vinyl like the limited uh, vinyl re release recently of this one. And I have you seen the album art of that one? It's it's terrible. Of um, of what album? Of that that album, Domination. Oh no, I haven't seen the yeah, release artwork. It. Let's see if it's doesn't it's, show it's, on Wiki. It's like uh, busts of people's heads. Here it is. Okay, if you if you Google the album under images, like Google Images, it's the top left. And just type in like re-release, you'll see it. With like the the people, the busts of uh, statues sticking out of the sand. For some reason, nowhere near as cool as the original. Oh, good lord! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, good lord! It's what pretty bad. That? It's pretty bad. I mean, that's not even anywhere close to the same. No, the original one was super cool, and then that one's like super cringe. And I own that one, unfortunately. So it's but, like. The original the is like stalactites and like a mushroom cloud looking thing. With the face with, above it, like the evil face breathing down yeah. smoke. And and I guess the the re-release is like something off in the distance in the background <laughs> that nobody's that's no one no one sees. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. <laughs> I I have no idea why. That's insane. Like, hey, you know that really cool album cover we have that everyone likes? Let's ruin it and make that a special I mean, edition. You know, that's the whole thing. It, it's something like that. Let's see. Does it say anything about it? I think uh, who released it. I have it downstairs, but. There's no one listed as the artist on that either. Not on Wikipedia anyway. But, I mean, it could have been one of those things where it could have had somebody that was in the band, and then when they did the re-release of it, that person was no longer in the band. So right. It was, like, his deal. So Yeah, it, it could be it. it. It could be anything. And they were they were signed to Eric on that, so... Yes, Eric released it. Yes, that's who I got it from. I remember now. It was it was from Eric's web store. That was a limited okay, release, so see, and I was like, "It could have been an earache deal because they've changed a lot of their stuff lately, too." Right, that makes sense. Because, yeah, I got it because it was like some limited edition. I was like, "Oh, sweet, a re-release." I don't own that one, so picked it up, and then I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> craziness, craziness!" I just realized we are we are approaching the end time. Uh, Brendan, do you have any more of your fun questions you want to ask before we uh, time out? Without having to name anybody, what was the most awkward podcast that you had to deal with? They were, I have one guest per show. That it would uh, the most awkward. You know, I like to think that most of the people that I have on are, you know, they're really cool. They're really cool people. And not going off of anything from like a language barrier, like English isn't somebody's first language. You know, those are always something interesting in their own regard because yeah. 
you know, when you're speaking broken English with somebody, that's, you know, you, our slang and stuff like that, you know, you've got to be very, you got to be careful because it might mean something else there, right. say something a weird way. But honestly, yeah. the things that really get to me are like the, uh, the people who sit there and they will give this crazy, insanely articulate answer to something. And then you will follow it up with a, a question. And it's like the scene in Wayne's world when Garth is playing the drums. And he just goes nuts behind the drums. And then at like the very next moment, he goes, I like to play. <laughs> yeah. Those are the most awkward moments because it's like, yeah, especially doing the stuff over the over Zoom or the phone like we're doing right now. You know, it's like you can't see me and what I'm what I'm doing or anything. And I can't see you guys. So it's like, I'm like, come on. <laughs> it's like the we're waiting, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. And but those are the weirdest things because there's they, they tend to put uh, a lot of dead air in, in episodes. And I'm always the one that's like, can't have it. Don't want to do it because there will be times where I will edit episodes and just cutting out dead air, just dead air can be, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of time. Yeah. So those are the most awkward things, not necessarily people in general. And I mean, we're all musicians, you know, musicians are quirky bastards anyways. <laughs> have you ever had anyone who like refused to answer a question we've had one per- only i think one time i can't remember who it was or what question it was but we asked someone a question they said i'm not going to answer that oh i remember yeah but they had they told us that yeah they told us a, afterwards there was, there was, was a reason a but project they were working yeah on. it was a secret project afterwards I, yeah I, I i've had people I, deny yes I, at first, I was like, oh, did I offend this guy? It like, seemed like they were offended. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Actually, yeah. something funny for me, um, when we first started doing this, I mixed up um, the Nicholases. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had two guys called Nick. Yes, I remember. That. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Uh, talk about embarrassing stuff. I called somebody, uh, someone whose name is Blair, and I've known them for a while because I, I was interviewing a band from Louisville. Uh, like I said, I know his name is Blair. I called him Blake. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that was a nice edit the next, you know, when I edited the show there. <laughs> like, did I just really call him Blake? What's wrong with yeah. him? You know? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, I have had people refuse questions, but it's because of contractual obligations of things like they, right. can't, they can't give away album titles yet. They sure. can't give away release dates yet. I have had that happen, but I would say the most awkward refusal that I've ever had is I, I used to ask a, and, and I stopped asking this question on that episode um so if you want to go back and listen to episodes you'll you'll find out who i'm talking about here um so like i asked you know what's your guilty pleasure oh i used to ask that in music and he flat out got agitated about you know like it was like gatekeeping 
Right. And, and I totally get that. Like, I totally get that now. It's like, you know, are you a Lady Gaga fan? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, that's the thing. It's like, it's my guilty pleasure. I, I listen to, I think Lady Gaga writes really well, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a shoot. Uh, I think she does write really well, but you know, hearing what other people have to say about that. And, but he just like seriously got offended by that question. He's like, people like what they like. Shouldn't, you know, if, if you like it, it's not a guilty pleasure. So, okay. Yeah. We've, we've I think, had people you know, say like, that too, but in a polite, right. like, not in a, a defensive when, way. Like, hey. I mean, it's more like, kind of like, what do you listen to? Like outside the norm, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Well, for, for me, it's like what you listen to that you know is objectively trash, but you find it fun and enjoyable. Because I have a lot of those bands, and I'm like, man, this sucks, but I love it. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I could answer that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you listen to that's objectively trash, but you don't care? Exactly. Motley yeah. Crue. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a sol- that's a solid answer. <laughs> Pissed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I I think we're good to wrap it up. All yeah. right, awesome. So before we wrap it up, is there anything that you want to promote on your side? Like any upcoming things from the band? Anything with the show you want to push at all? Uh, with Overload, uh, if you guys are, you know, I don't know when this episode's actually going to drop. So, uh. October 7th, 8th, and 9th, we're doing a little three-shot weekend tour. Uh, 7th, we're going to be at Blades of Steel 2 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at Club uh, Garibaldi, I believe it's called, uh, playing for Randy Castor up there. Uh, then Saturday night, we're going to, on the 8th of October, we're going to be in Akron, Ohio, at the Empire Concert Club. And then on Sunday, the 9th of October, we're going to be at the Green Lantern in Lexington, Kentucky with Snafu from Detroit. Uh, Awesome, awesome, awesome thrash band from up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then uh, with uh, the Metal Forge, you know, uh, Friday's episode on the 23rd of September is our 192nd episode. Uh, so we're really close to wrapping up to 200 and yeah. I've got some really cool stuff set in mind for 200. I've got some really cool things coming up with special guest spots on the show. So stay tuned for all that. It's every Friday at noon Eastern, wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking the time. Uh, it was really great chatting to you as we can tell by the fact that we almost clicked into 90 minutes here. Definitely, um, yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, if you ever want to come back on, let us know. We'd love to have you back. Hell yeah! This absolutely right. And if you oh, and if you ever want to bring any of the other people from your show, just let us know. We can bring them on as well. Definitely, yeah. That would be a nice, uh, a cool deal, like a little crossover deal, like Metal yeah. Forge and Cave Dweller, like where you know you could talk to the the same band or something. That'd be yeah. awesome. Definitely. Um, anyone who's listening thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we will have someone else for you next week